When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable. Oh, girl, one more chance with you again. I will not let it go. Oh, please. I'm gonna get evicted any day now. I've been in this penthouse with the windows open, with the music blaring, singing off key loud as shit for like 48 hours now. Avery Wilson killed that shit. On Babyface's tiny desk, that's Avery Wilson's tiny desk. I mean, Babyface was there and Babyface is a legend. He is nobody support act, but Avery fucking Wilson. Good Lord. That boy can sing. He's 27. That man sound like he had a whole lifetime of experience to pull from. That voice is, is rich. It is full of experience. It is full of life. Oh, I just found out about Avery Wilson. I didn't know. I, I saw some snippets on Instagram of things that he did, but I didn't know he could do this. That's not even the best part of the tiny desk. That's just the part that hits me in my heart. And he's singing backup. Look, Babyface need to fire him. So does Usher. He does backup for Usher too. Usher needs to fire him. Who was it that fired Luther? Because Luther used to do backup too. I can't remember who he sang for. But they told him like, hey, bro, you, you not backup. You need to go out into the forefront. You need to go do your own thing. And Luther was like, but I need a job. And they were like, nah, nah, you going to be big. You just need to go on and do your own thing. You ain't nobody's background singer, sir. It, it worked out for him. Teddy Pendergrass was also, I mean, he was one of the Blue Notes. Who the fuck knows who Harold Melvin is? Can you pick Harold Melvin out of a lineup? You could pick Teddy Pendergrass' ass out of a lineup, though. Avery Wilson? That's nobody's backup. Not even for the, the legend. Not the opening act, even if he was the opening act. Not the support act. The legend. That is Babyface. I can't believe Anita Baker said that. I know she was trying to be shady. She wasn't trying to be accurate. But still, I'm like, Babyface? You could pick somebody else and call them support. Babyface? I was reading up on his accolades. Babyface has over 500 million singles and albums sold. That's not even the amount of money he actually made. Because he produced and wrote all of his own stuff and a whole bunch of other people's number one stuff or top 10 stuff or top 100 stuff. Babyface got a lot of hits for like 40 years worth. Because he like 64. Even though his name is Babyface, he wears glasses all the time so he can't see his eyes and he dyes his hair. So you don't really know how old he is. But he's like a whole 64 years old. There's a reason I call him uncle. Even though he calls himself baby. But him and Usher got to release Avery Wilson. I mean, they putting him on. They doing what they supposed to do. They looking out for the next generation of music, which I appreciate. But they're going to have to push him out. I think he might be comfortable in the background. He has to go fly on his own. He got to get out the nest. That ain't no background singer. That boy can blow. Good Lord. 
Luke James, he did Tank's background for Tank's tiny desk. And Tank can sing. Don't get me wrong. But Luke James kind of overshadowed Tank at his own tiny desk. It was only 20 minutes. And Luke James had two and a half of it to himself and used it wisely. That boy can sing. It doesn't make sense to me how they don't have number one albums. How they're not like as big as somebody like, I don't know, Chris Brown per se. Or like Maxwell at his height. Or even like D'Angelo at his height. I don't understand with that level of pure talent that they're not so much bigger than what they are. I think the industry doesn't know what to do with them. I read Avery Wilson is signed to J Records, which that's Clive Davis. You know, he had Whitney and he had Aretha. I think people are like, oh yeah, like Clive Davis. But he also had J-Hud. And nobody ever knew what to do with J-Hud. I can't really name a J-Hud song other than the Dream Girl soundtrack. I know there's a couple others, but like off the top of my head, nothing stands out. And it's not because the girl can't sing. She absolutely can. I think people just didn't know what to do with her voice. They figured out what to do with Fantasia. They never figured out what to do with J-Hud. I feel like that's the same thing with Luke James and Avery Wilson. Like it's just so much damn talent. You just don't know what to do with it. Like, do you have them do covers? Like, do you have them do R&B? Do you have them do like old school ballads? Like, what do you do with them? Let the mofo sing whatever they want to sing. Avery Wilson and or Luke James, sing me the goddamn alphabet. Remember Patti LaBelle went on Sesame Street and she did A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That's fine. Sing that to me. I'm fine. I watched Avery Wilson on this tiny desk and I was so excited about him that I went on YouTube and just started watching videos. I was up at 3.40 in the morning listening to Avery Wilson sing the Star Spangled Banner and was excited. I found some video of him covering um, Donny Hathaway's song for you. Usually I'm like, don't touch Donny Hathaway, leave Donny alone. That's a category all unto himself. Don't touch no Donny Hathaway music. He touched it. He did good. He served it well. It wasn't Donny and it didn't need to be. It was Avery. It was done very well. That boy sings from his soul. Also found this video of Luke James. I don't know how I missed this one, but it was a tribute to Tony Braxton. Unbreak my heart. Sir hit notes I didn't know humans were capable of. Like on some Mariah Carey type shit. And I was like, Luke, Luke, I know you from singing Johnny Gill. My, my, my. That's when I actually realized Luke James could sing. Like I knew he was a singer. He was always around in New York. And then when I was in LA, he was always around in LA. Like he'd just be out and about. Always got a backpack, always headed to the studio. And then I saw him in a new edition movie and he was playing JG. Johnny Gill got a voice on him. That's another one who I'd be like, don't, don't touch Johnny Gill. Just let Johnny Gill stand on his own. You don't need to go ahead and try to do Johnny Gill. He did service. He did well to Johnny Gill. And I was like, what the fuck? I didn't know he could sing like that. I mean, he did good on Tiny Desk. He did wonderful. He redid um, Maxwell's, or Kate Bush rather, Woman's Work. He did solid. He did good. I put the clip on my Instagram page because I was very, very impressed with it. He sounded amazing. Go look up if you have not seen it or if you haven't seen it in a while. Luke James, Tony Braxton, Unbreak My Heart. He hits this note, which you'd be like, God damn, that's insane. Like, whoa, you get chills. And then he goes higher. It's my neighbors hate me. I've been in here off key all day and have no plans of stopping anytime soon. I'm just pausing to tape this podcast. And I'm taping it in parts because I'm like trying to figure out where my news is. Jonathan Majors was supposed to be in court on June 13th. It didn't happen, apparently, because I've seen no press about it whatsoever. And then I went back and looked at the press clippings from a month ago because I was like, did I make that up? Did I put the date in wrong? Was it another 
Was it another date in June? No. He was supposed to be in court June 13th. He was supposed to be present physically in court in New York. And I've heard nothing about it. Adam Silver said John Morant, he was going to tell us what, what was going to happen with John Morant after the NBA Finals. That was, that was Sunday. We're now at Thursday and ain't no report on John Morant. What you waiting on? Because we're waiting on pins and needles. Does John Morant know what's about to happen to him or he going to find out from the press conference? Last episode, we talked about Anita Baker and Babyface. I said somebody need to pick up the phone. I said it need to be a landline with a cord. It, it might have needed to be rotary just to get the point across. Apparently, I didn't speak up fast enough because Anita Baker is done. Anita Baker has fired Babyface from the damn tour. I knew they had beef. I was hoping that the managers or the agents, the promoters, somebody could intervene and get them on a landline, some form of communication that's not public, and let them have a conversation and hash this out because Babyface and Anita Baker is a good lineup. But Anita Baker said enough. She said Babyface's people were harassing her. Babyface hadn't stepped in to stop his people from harassing her. She said they're harassing her because Babyface blamed her for not going on stage in New Jersey. And she said she had enough. For safety and security, she kicked Babyface off the tour. So it's just her. And not to say that Anita Baker is not enough. I mean, Anita Baker does have hits. Anita Baker can and does sing. I'm not mad at it. I would go see just Anita Baker. But now that I knew it was the possibility of Anita Baker and Babyface, like that's a that's a better draw. You paying the same price for a ticket. Are the ticket prices going down now that Babyface isn't there? I know she said that's a support act, but a lot of people were interested in the support act. Many people pointed out, they were like, Babyface has actually never been on tour. Like, not like a big major one. Like, he's performed for sure, but like a big major tour. Nobody can remember Babyface being on a big tour. And I was like, that's weird. Seeing how the man got all them hits. And he could sing everybody's shit because he wrote it and produced it. Like, he ain't got to pay royalties on it. It's his. He could bring out some acts. I could definitely see Babyface going on tour and bringing out, like, Tony Braxton, Boys to Men. Might fuck around and bring out Madonna. I totally forgot. Actually, I not even forgot. I didn't know that Babyface wrote Take a Bow until he started singing it on the tiny desk. When Madonna sang it, it didn't sound like a black person wrote it. But when Shantae Moore sang it, I was like, oh, that does sound like a Babyface song. Put a little umph on it, a little, little black on it. That's how it was meant to sound. Okay. I had Prosecco earlier, if you can't tell. I could tell the difference. I'm sure you could tell. <sighs> Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish 
or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Y'all hear about Tyler Perry buying BT? I keep seeing the black blogs posting about it, but I imagine that Tyler Perry buying BET would be for a significant sum. We're talking about hundreds of millions. BET is a major network, even if it's black folk, we don't always treat it as such. But I haven't seen anything in like Deadline or Variety, Hollywood Reporter, The Trades basically, Fortune, Forbes, like nobody's reporting on it. I've seen bloggers and gossip sites say it. I saw Ebony Magazine talked about it, which I was like, y'all don't have a source. Why would y'all put that up? And the source that everybody got this from, I can't remember the name of the website, but they put the information out there that Tyler Perry was in final talks to buy BET. And then all these websites ran with it and a bunch of people are reporting it. And then the original website took the story down. They didn't even post like a retraction saying like, oh, we got it wrong. They just took the story down and that's it. So everyone's talking about Tyler Perry buying BET. Tyler Perry ain't said shit. None of the trades have said shit. Like, I don't know if Tyler Perry's buying BET. So that's the reason I didn't speak about it because a couple people sent me the story and they were like, oh, you saw the Tyler Perry thing. And I was like, I did. I just, I don't have a credible source. I would love to put that in good black news. I try when I talk on here. I don't always get things hundred percent right, but I do try. You ever know you about to make a bad decision, but you're going to make it anyway. I've had braids almost nonstop for almost a year. It'll be a year in August. I'm so sick of having my hair braided. Also, If it was my girl who does my hair right in Ghana, I would be fine with it. But I got my braids done in South Africa. South Africa does beautiful hair. The braids that I got are not the same as my Ghana braids. I've had them in for a month. To me, I don't mean this with no shade. I'm just making the comparison so you understand what I'm saying. They look like Malia Obama braids. And it drives me up a wall every time I see a picture of myself. And I had like braided my braids. I had like 13 big braids of my like, you know, 150 little braids. And then I saw a picture of myself one day and I was like, it's just giving too much pop smoke. It's just, it's giving too much Quavo. I was over it. So I took them out and now I still hate them. So I'm going to take my braids out knowing that I don't like doing my hair. I just, and I cut my hair before I moved to Ghana. Cause I was like, I'm going to have my hair in braids. It makes no sense to spend extra time getting my hair braided. Cause I have all this goddamn hair and nobody's going to see my hair anyway. Cause it's going to be braided. So I cut my hair like in half. You know that shit is back? Because I ain't done shit to it but braid it for like a year. Thankfully, miraculously. Because I had a praying grandmother. I still have edges. Like full fluffy edges. But I'm so over these goddamn braids. So I'm about to take them out. Knowing that I'm about to travel nonstop for the next month. Knowing that I'm probably going to end up running out of supplies while I'm on the road. And I'm going to do it anyway. I know in advance I'm making a bad decision. I made good decisions yesterday. London and Europe in general are super packed during the summer. So I had to make tons of reservations even before I came to London. So when I was in South Africa, I plotted out yesterday. I went to the Prada Cafe at Harrods for breakfast. It's essentially a Prada pop-up. I went to a Louis Vuitton one in Paris and a Clico one also in London. Except the Clico pop-up and the Louis Vuitton pop-up had like an exhibition And then you could go to the cafe afterward to have special branded treats or cocktails or coffee or something like that. This Prada one, like it's attached to a Prada store, but it's really just the cafe. 
You get a little coffee and it has the Prado logo on it. And then you just get like regular breakfast. The food was actually good though. And like normal for London prices. London is just dumb expensive, like for everything. And then like I did some shopping. I've been gone for, when did I leave? February? Now we're midway through June. So I've been wearing the same clothes in rotation for four months now. I was like, I just need some new shit. Like I'm tired of wearing the same clothes. And then the most important part of my day, there was this play. I've been trying to see more theater. I think I told y'all that. Remember when I first got here, I went to see the play about Sidney Poitier. There's a play called School Girls or the African Mean Girls play. Idris Elba is one of the producers. The woman who wrote it, Joycelyn Bio, B-I-O-H. I believe she's Ghanaian. But I think I told you I have a separate Instagram account where everything I follow is based in Africa. But I saw people talking about it there. And I was like, oh, what is this? And I finally went to see it last night. I've been waiting two months to see this play. It was everything. It's literally like the title says. It's um, African Mean Girls. So if you think of Mean Girls, instead of being set in, I think Mean Girls is in L.A. This one is set at a boarding school um, in a brie, a really ritzy part of Ghana. I think I told you about there's a part of Ghana that's like the Hollywood Hills where the politicians and the super duper wealthy, they'll have their main home in a brie, like the big ass house. They also keep a place in the city in Accra to be closer to business or the airport. But a brie has houses just like the Hollywood Hills and it's up in the hills. And your view is overlooking, not necessarily Accra because it's really far out, but it's overlooking like the valley, if you will. Really, really beautiful, like lots of twinkling lights, really, really gorgeous. So the play is set in a prestigious boarding school and it's about five girls at this boarding school who are competing for the Miss Ghana pageant in 1986. They're obsessed with Bobby Brown. They want to make a good representation of Ghana and they've got all the issues that girls everywhere have. It's a conversation about Ghana, but it could easily be LA or it could easily be London or anywhere. I think when you get teenage girls together, there may be certain nuances that are very different, but competition about weight or intelligence or social hierarchy or hair texture, hair length, colorism. These are things that exist, particularly when you're talking about people with melanin. These are issues that exist worldwide, but so much culture plays out in the lives of these young women. And I want to say it's only like maybe 90 minutes the worst part of the play for me is when it ended. Like, I was like, no, 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 no. Um, really smart characters, really well-developed three-dimensional characters. Nobody's a stereotype. Nobody's a throwaway. I think it's really interesting. There's very almost stereotypical characters when we talk about women. The same characters that are shown on Girlfriends and Sex in the City and Golden Girls and Living Single and practically any show where there's four women, they're literally all the same characters. There's always like an every girl. So like a Carrie or a Joan or I think Khadijah was probably that for living single, Queen Latifah's character. Golden Girls is a little trickier because their every woman character is actually the mom because Dorothy is essentially Miranda. Rose is essentially Charlotte and Blanche is essentially Samantha who is essentially Regine. Sinclair is essentially Charlotte. Max is Miranda. Someone's the heart, someone's the sex, someone's the logic, and, and then someone's the every girl who embodies all three of those traits and that's who the audience taps into. This play 
schoolgirls is less about the archetypes. It's schoolgirls in Ghana in 1986, so no one's hypersexual. But you do have one girl who's kind of ditzy. You do have one girl who's hyper smart and opinionated. You do have a queen bee. You do have like the chubby girl that gets picked on. So maybe in a sense, there are different archetypes when you talk about teenage girls, because those actually are very familiar. But they seem really fresh in the play. One of the ways that I knew it was like a really good play is I had such feelings about it. I took the train home. It was at the Lyric Hammersmith, which is kind of far from me. But it took me 30 minutes to get home on the train. And I was really just like in my own head, like I almost missed my stop because I was just like lost in thought. And then I wanted to like write something. The art that inspires me to want to create art is always a good sign to me that like this is good art. Totally get why Idris Elba invested in this. This is high key brilliant. And it was an audience full of black women. It's the first time I've been like surrounded by black people. It wasn't all black, but predominantly black. But it's the first time I've been surrounded by all black people since I left South Africa. It's a good feeling. There's actually two really good shows coming down the pipeline on Netflix. One of them is, I wrote it down and now I can't find a piece of paper that I wrote it on. Is this it? Survival of the Thickest. It's July 13th. We have some time. What's the girl from BT Plus? Sterling K. Brown's wife was in it. Jill Scott was in it. First Wives Club. One of the leads is Michelle. Hold on. First Wives Club. BET Plus. Actress. Michelle Boutou. Is that her name? B-U-T-E-A-U. She's one of the wives. She has a new show coming on Netflix. It's based on her book. It's a book of essays that came out in December 2020. Why did I hear nothing about this? Maybe because it was 2020. Oh, because I was like neck deep preparing for Don't Waste Your Pretty, which came out in 2021. That's why I missed it. And I think I was doing the first merchandise drop for Ratchet and Respectable. That's how I missed it. Okay. She looks really good on the cover. I need to read this. But I saw the trailer. It looks really, really cute. This is how Netflix describes it. Mavis Beaumont. Not coincidental that the initials are the same. It says she's newly single and finds herself having to rebuild her life as a struggling stylist. There's also another show on Netflix. One of my really good friends, Tia Williams. She used to be the beauty editor for Essence.com. But also, in addition to, she wrote a best-selling book called The Perfect Find. We talked about this on here. When the announcement came that her book was being turned into a Netflix show starring Gabrielle Union, that they just debuted the film at the Tribeca Film Festival. And Tia, yes, is biased because the film is based on her book, but she also said the film had a really good reception. She says, quote, the audience loved it is quite the understatement. It was a hit. Cheers, laughter, oceans of tears, me. I'm so excited for her. Tia is a very talented woman, both in the beauty space and also as an author. But in addition to, she is one of the nicest human beings I've ever met. She is super sweet, unless it comes to anything with her child in which she will cut you. But she is so, so sweet and beautiful. She's just all around a great person. I absolutely could not be happier for her with her upcoming film. What date is it on Netflix? I had to call Tia and be like, girl, when does this film come out? June 23rd. So next week, Keith Powers is in it. Aisha Hines. I love me some Aisha Hines. We met at Essence Black Women in Hollywood. I knew her face, but I didn't know her name. Okay, remember Misha Green from Lovecraft Country had a show before that called Underground. 
They introduced Harriet Tubman as a character and there was a whole episode in which Harriet Tubman sat down and did a monologue and explained her life. Aisha Hines played Harriet Tubman. Now she's done a ton of stuff since then and she's good in all of it. But Aisha Hines as Harriet Tubman is one of like, it's probably one of my top 10 TV moments. It was so, so good. She's such a talented woman, but she's also in The Perfect Fine along with Gabrielle Union. And then, you know, based on Tia Williams' book. I'm so excited. So you should definitely read the book because Tia Williams is a hell of an author. The book was good enough to get made into a film, so pick it up. And then also, she has another book, Seven Days in June. It's my personal favorite. I read it in maybe like a day, day and a half. I want to say like I read it until I fell asleep, but I like fell asleep at 3 a.m. It wasn't because the book got bored. It's because my body got tired. And then like I woke up the next day. You know, like you wake up and you like pat around to find your phone. I patted around to find the book and then like turned over and finished reading. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. It's really, really great characters. John Boyega is on the cover of Ebony magazine wearing white. It's technically off white, but white nonetheless looking godly. I saw the cover of the magazine. It gives very much um, Jonathan Majors vibes. Not that it's like pink or throwing roses or anything. It's just a fine man on the cover of Ebony. And it's like the video cover is the one they released. And he just looks really fucking good. And as soon as I saw the cover, I was like, please don't let him do nothing stupid. Please don't let him have abused anyone, assaulted anyone, beat on anyone. Please let all of his sex be with enthusiastic consent with people who are of age. Please let his pullout game work or he wraps it up. Don't be Nick Cannon. I saw the cover on the Ebony page and I reposted it on mine and I did a whole prayer. What I just said to you, I basically prayed and I was like, dear Lord, please don't let him do no dumb shit. Please. I said, when the bridge over troubled water collapses, please let him have good publicists and good lawyers that he listens to. Please. The crazy part was I posted it and tons of people were like, yo, I saw the cover. That was the first thing I thought. Please don't let him do no dumb shit. Very recently, it feels like every time black women get really invested in somebody, some dumb shit happens. Or not even some dumb shit happens, because that, that's taking away alleged ownership of grown-ass men doing dumb things. Like, we got all excited about that Ebony cover. That shit was out for, like, what, two weeks? Before them charges happened with Jonathan Majors? Like, nigga. Dude from Wakanda Forever made it a little longer. He not even black, but black women liked him, because he was cute. Seemed to be upstanding, had some good personality, had good chemistry with his co-stars. His ass, now he ain't charged with nothing, but it's a woman calling him a predator. He denies, just as Jonathan Majors does. Ashanti and Nelly, we talked about that earlier this week, when I was like, oh my gosh, Ashanti and Nelly, they're back together. 30 minutes in, somebody was like, oh, we're not going to talk about his sexual assault charges? God damn! My manager hit me and was like, yo... I think black women might have PTSD. And I was like, yeah, of course they do. What issues specifically are you addressing? And he was like, yo, when it comes to black men, like, you know, you really get your hopes up with somebody and they do crazy shit. Like, you know, you just, you prepare yourself not to get excited or be scared to get excited because you don't want to be let down. And I was like, oh, okay. Or like, are you talking about just in life in general? Or are you talking about specifically Ebony covers? And he was like, I mean, when you put it like that, it's actually a really good article. It's mostly Q&A. The writer, <laughs> you know, I like to critique writing. The writing is really good. Boyega is on the cover to promote his new film, They Clone Tyrone. It's him and Jamie Foxx. What's my other girl? My brown girl, Tiona Paris. The trailer looks amazing. It's all over social media. It looks really, really good. 
the writer for this Ebony piece is clearly a huge fan of John Boyega, calling him the steely young lead, the preternaturally magnetic performer, the luminous human charm bomb. (laughs) I like people who have fun with the English language. Also, there's a reference in the piece. I didn't realize John Boyega won a Golden Globe. He played a policeman. We talked about this at the time. Remember Steve McQueen had that anthology on Amazon called Small Acts, which were about being black and British. When I say like in the 70s or 80s, one of them, because I was obsessed with it, was about this girl who sneaks out her house one Saturday night to go to a house party. The music was so amazing. What was the name of the song? Silly Games? That song came out before I was born. I wore that shit out for like months. It's another situation with my neighbors hating me. But John Boyega was in Starting, one of the anthology series about like the first black police officer somewhere in London. And John Boyega was so good. I was probably 15 minutes from finishing the film. And I was like, wait, is that John Boyega? Totally didn't recognize him. That was the first time he was looking thick on screen. He'd been eating his Wheaties or Fufu or some some form of carb that had him looking right. And this is before he like chiseled it up. Like he was just like just thick and just warm looking, just cuddly and shit. Wait, let me make sure John Boyega is over 30. I want to make sure I'm not over here being a pure cougar. He's 31. I actually thought he was older than that. 31 is good and legal for me. Still too young, but legal. The article also talks about they clone Tyrone. They describe it as, quote, a black exploitation influenced sci-fi conspiracy thriller. That's a lot. That is all at once an uproarious, unapologetically black action comedy and a multi-layered exploration of systemic oppression with satire as sharp and lacerating as a smashed 40 of malt liquor. I love good writing. John Boyega plays Fontaine. Ebony describes the grill-wearing drug dealer who, as the film's title suggests, finds out he might not be quite who he thinks he is. I'm going to guess Fontaine is one of Tyrone's clones. I'm guessing. They also note that John Boyega is a producer, it doesn't say on this, a philanthropist. He talks a little later in the article about um, he and his family. His father's a minister. He and his family have been building wells in his mother's village back in Nigeria. It also talks about his devotion to horseback riding. John likes to ride. (laughs) I'm a pervert. Let's see. I read this article earlier, but I didn't take note. I'm scrolling through to see what else is interesting. It talks a lot about him in Hollywood, him with his co-stars. It's all the same things that people usually say in interviews. Like he's working with Jamie Foxx. It was great. I was working with Tiana Parrish. It was great. Obviously, prayers for Jamie Foxx and a quick recovery. He doesn't say anything scandalous. Thank God. I'm more interested in John talking about his charity work. He says his parents started a charity four years ago. They not only have been building wells, they've been building libraries and toilet facilities in rural villages in Nigeria. You really got to go on the Ebony site and look at these pictures. I'm not being paid by Ebony, just FYI. All white, looking godly. Little black angel. Hmm. Fine ass. So yeah, that's it for this week. I don't know where I'll be when we record next episode. My next adventure starts on Tuesday, but maybe Monday because I'm trying to fly in a day early. We'll see. Happy Father's Day, specifically to my father. 
But then also to all the fathers. I hope you have an excellent Father's Day in which you receive the big piece of chicken. Talk next week, for sure. Also, going on hiatus July 10th to July 14th. It's my birthday week. I've had a destination in my head where I wanted to spend my birthday for about a year. I'm going to thoroughly enjoy my birthday week without worrying about deadlines and edits and producing a show. I haven't taken off literally in a year. Not even when I moved to Ghana. When I moved from LA to DC, when I was shipping all my stuff cross country, I think I took a day. I don't even think I took the week. But I'm taking the week, which really means two episodes. So we'll be off, but otherwise we're on. That's not everything. But it's what we've got. Also, I just finished final edits on the pod. I just saw the announcement about John Morant being suspended for 25 games. I'm shocked they didn't kick him out the NBA. 25 is fair. We'll talk about it more next week. I'll be back on Tuesday. Bye.